0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Relationships Rule podcast. I'm your host, Janice Porter, and my special guest this week is Lori Seitz from Virginia. She's coming to us from Virginia in the north of Virginia, which is still very east from us in Vancouver. So welcome to the show, Lori.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Janice.
0: My pleasure. I want to tell my audience a little bit about you, that you are the CEO of Zen Rabbit and host of your own podcast, Fine is a four-letter word. You're an award-winning writer, speaker, and broadcaster, and a nationally recognized expert in using gratitude and meditation to guide corporate teams and private clients who are finished living in a dumpster fire to a place of unprecedented clarity, peace, and productivity. I even changed how I sound when I say that. (laughs) And um, I know that um, this sentence that you sent me and I love. Through your collaborative approach, which don't we all women love to collaborate? That's my favorite. Um, Lori is teaching the world to be grounded and centered, which leads to improved relationships, my heart, increased sales and better overall health. And when Lori's not working, you can find her in her sanctuary which, by the way, sounds like an oxymoron to me, a sanctuary being the weight room at the gym. Um, and she also loves cupcakes, Thai food, and classic rock music. So all lots of things to delve into. Thank you so much, Lori, for being here today. I'm happy to be here. So, I want to start, actually, with um, how um, using gratitude and meditation... Can lead to more productivity as well as that peace and clarity. And how did you find that? When did that happen for you? So sort of two parts.
1: My meditation story actually starts when I was 10 years old because my mom took my brother and me to a meditation course. It was two weekends. Yeah. Two weekends out of the month. And so I was introduced to meditation very young. However, I proceeded to not use it over the next, uh, 35 years <laughs> okay. and didn't come back to it consistently really until after she passed away. So, yes. so meditation has always been a part of my makeup, I guess you could say
0: you're being us, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, but like I said, I didn't actually practice it. It was just something you know, we talk about what beliefs and values were you raised with. Mm-hmm. That was something that was instilled in me.
0: So without talking about age, I'm thinking is meditation, your mom, was she part of like um, you know, that free is the 70s movement or well, it
1: was in the 70s, but she wasn't. I wouldn't have considered her part of that like new age hippie sure. kind of. Thing. I don't know how, I think it was a neighbor because the neighbor's kids came with us. So it was the five of us at this meditation thing. So I think that's how she was introduced to it. I'm not quite sure. And then she also made my dad go through the course, yeah. although he, I, I'm sure he did it just to like make her stop talking about it, but because he, he doesn't buy into it still. Sure. Like he, he's that. not into it at all.
0: So, um, so then using meditation and gratitude together so talk yeah. to me about that and, and how you know you went I'm guessing from your dumpster fire existence at one point into that
1: yeah so the gratitude piece comes in and when I started my first business in 2003 I was making and selling a product called the gratitude cookie
0: I saw that I wanted to know about that too go ahead yeah
1: so the gratitude cookie was based on a family recipe that we used to make for the holidays. And then as an adult, when I would make them for friends and family, people would say, oh my gosh, these are so good. You should sell these. Like every food entrepreneur's story. And so it came to the day where I wasn't working for someone else. I was looking for something to do professionally. And I came back to this whole idea of, oh, maybe I should do something with these cookies. And it wasn't my, my goal to be the next Mrs. Fields. I have a background in marketing. So I looked at this product and said, what can I do with this? Oh, let me create a tool for businesses to say thank you to their clients and to their referral sources and to people who support their success. And that's how I packaged and marketed the gratitude cookies.
0: Very smart.
1: As I was doing that, I was also talking a lot about how gratitude helps businesses differentiate themselves like all the, the positive attributes that go into being grateful in a business. And so that's where, that's where I started talking about that whole idea about gratitude, which spills over to, so it has all these benefits for, as a business person to differentiate you.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then as an individual practicing gratitude has all of these physiological and psychological effects there's science and research behind this as well as meditation science and research behind how meditation affects you as well so it's not just this woo-woo thing like maybe back in the 70s when I learned the meditation thing it was a woo-woo thing but even then, I mean there's there's science and research behind it so one of the things about gratitude is that it it when you practice gratitude your brain is releasing serotonin and dopamine and all the feel-good chemicals Mm -hmm. and that helps uh helps your mood uh, certainly Mm -hmm. it helps you become more emotionally mature what's the right word
0: emotionally mm, what's I feel like I want to say available in a way because you're, you're opening up
1: right right so it enhances your
0: relationships right
1: you're less likely to get drawn into conflicts.
0: And so I think that maybe uh, tell me if you think this as well, that when, in what you just said, I'm thinking that what that actually looks like is I'm, I'm talking or I'm, I'm having a conversation with you about you, not about me. And so that's where, um, the gratitude or the the positivity and the caring comes out because the person you're speaking to feels feels it. They feel um, um, paid attention to, they feel important, right? That's exactly it. It's helping somebody else
1: feel important and valued. Right. When you look at our society, it, I don't know, I was going to say now, but it can, you know, through the, through, probably eons, you know, nobody's walking around going, "Ah, I don't need any more attention or value. I'm good. Like I've, I, enough people have appreciated me today. Yes, I don't need any more. Nobody's saying that. So if you could be the deliverer of appreciation. You
0: know, know, it's so funny because you know how, you know, that saying um, for out of the mouths of babes, you know, Mm -hmm. Children, they come out with the things. So my daughter called me last night. I have a the light of my life is my little granddaughter. She's two and a half, and um, we hadn't seen her for a while because we were sick, and Mm -hmm. we'd see her on Facetime. And every day we talked to her. She'd say, "I'm coming to your house tomorrow, Grandma. I'm coming to your house tomorrow." And of course that went on for a couple weeks, and then we did see her on Saturday, and then that night or the next night. Um, my daughter said she woke up in the middle of the night, which she is prone to do because she doesn't sleep that well. And she said, I miss grandma and grandpa. I want to see them. And so the gratitude that came flooding to me from that little girl saying that, whether it was just whatever, you know, mm-hmm. is is that's the epitome of it for me. And so when, as an adult in a business, working with other business people, people you don't know, people you're networking. And I want to sidle into that for a minute um, is it's all the same. You just get that feeling of, oh my goodness, somebody's listening to me. Somebody cares about me. And I know that's of course with my granddaughter, that's the, but it's the same feeling. It's like, nothing's better. Yeah. And it's a ripple effect. So you telling the story, you
1: experienced it, Mm-hmm. And then you're telling me the story. So I get the warm, fuzzy feeling. Everybody in your audience who's listening to this is getting the warm, fuzzy feeling. We didn't have to hear the conversation. We just had to hear about it. Right. And, and we get awesome, the feeling awesome, too.
0: Right. my tone of voice and my yeah. lighting up about it. That's true. Um, and so, um, I I've written a uh, quote here that, um, to talk to you about. And it's exactly what I think we just talked about how gratitude can transform your business or grant transform your life. Right. So um, was there a point at which you were um, uh, you called it in a um, in a dumpster fire, but like going through a, um, a master change that you needed to figure out and that that brought you back to meditation and gratitude or what? There, yes, there was
1: actually, I, so I ran that gratitude cookie business for 11 years wow. and I couldn't quite scale it the way I wanted to. So I decided that I was going to shut it down because one of my best friends and also, who's also an entrepreneur said, this is like watching you in abusive relationship. Because I kept saying, I kept saying, well, if I just go to this trade show, everything will turn around. If I just, you know, learn how to write copy better, everything will turn around. Like, and it wasn't happening. And it was like, just, I was just beating my head against a wall. And she said that to me. And it took several months for that to really sink in for me to go, okay, she's probably right. There's better, better use of my skills and talents. And it's just time. So I decided to shut that business down after 11 years and yeah, really hard. And then my mom was diagnosed with an aggressive form of leukemia Mm -hmm. and she passed away six weeks later. So those two things together, Mm -hmm. I was mourning the death of my mom and the death of my business at the same time. Of course. And yeah, yeah. And that was when I started thinking about, do I want to keep living the rest of my life, you know, the next 20 years, the same way i lived the last 20 and what am I going to do differently? And that's really where I
0: came back to meditation. Hmm. And did, did practicing meditation then help you see the light of what was coming next or just keep you, um, calm?
1: both, although I'm not sure I've ever thought about it that way, about seeing what was coming next. What meditation has done for me most profoundly is stay calm and grounded no matter what's going on around me. Because I used to be, I, you know, I live in the Washington DC metro area, as you mentioned, everybody is, you know, always running around hair on fire What's the net? You know, super type A personalities around, and I was that to a degree, although I wouldn't say triple A personality, (laughs) but but there was always uh, that element of urgency. Yes, and yeah, I'm not like that anymore. I still have a sense of urgency around things that are important, but not that hair on fire, like, Oh, we got to get this done. You know, everything's falling apart. And no.
0: Oh, that's, that's very cool that you're able to, that you made that change. I don't know. I think I've gotten a little bit better as I've gotten older around that kind of thing, but I've tried meditation a few times. And, um, I think when I'm actually being guided to meditate in a setting that it, I eventually go deep enough that I think I'm, you know, um, in the subconscious or whatever. But as, as an everyday practice, I'm very bad at doing anything like uh, in a habit format of that mm-hmm. nature. I just actually um, experienced um, a form of meditation, I guess, with a friend of mine that was that is doing this as part of her coaching practice. It's called R T T, Rapid transformation therapy she called it um and it it was um so I'm I'm working on it again so I'm supposed to listen to this thing every day and you know uh, go into the the um the trance I suppose of listening to um the thing that she recorded for me and we'll see what happens you know we'll see if it does do anything to me I don't know I mean I'm just I'm open but I'm not really very good at the consistency of things. So, I don't know. I mean, I certainly am um, a, I'm curious about it. And, uh, okay, so I'm going to shift a little bit, but I, it probably is involving some of what you we've already talked about in that. I saw a quote that you said um, that you can create or that you look at creating deeper connections through networking. And I'm a huge, or have been over the years, a huge networker, a huge connector. I love working a room and I haven't done that in the open uh, real world for a long time. Right. Um, but talk to me about that, how you look at creating deeper relationships through networking.
1: After I closed the baking company
0: yes, and
1: before I got to doing what I'm doing now, I was teaching networking strategies Mm. because when I started that first business, I had to learn how to walk into a room at a chamber meeting or any kind of function and start conversations with people I didn't know. And how do you break into a conversation with people who are already talking when it looks like everybody in the room is best friends with each other and you don't know anyone. And I grew up super shy child. Like, I didn't want to ask where the bathroom was <laughs> if I had to talk to a stranger. So I had to learn how to become better at networking in order to make that first business succeed. So that's, so after I closed it, I thought, okay, well, here's a skill that I've learned. I can turn around and teach it to other people. On top of that, the other thing that I learned, one of the major things I learned from my mom, again, just really by watching her, and I didn't realize it until after she had passed, was the value of friendships and and relationships. Because she had very, very strong connections with, I mean, one of her best friends, she was best friends with her since they were five years old.
0: That's pretty special.
1: And yeah, and I learned that from her. And I have friendships going back to the crib as well. And so building business relationships in that same way, I, as what might be called an introvert, although I'm not a big fan of the terms introvert and extrovert, because there's so much baggage attached to that. Right. Yeah. But so I was, you know, as a quiet person, let's say somebody who's, who's a little intimidated to walk into that room where you don't know anybody. I'm interested in having deeper conversations and I know I'm not the only one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So when I was teaching networking strategies, and when I still, when I talk to people about networking now, the worst question in the possible universe that you could ask is, what do you do? <laughs> you know, But that's what everybody learns is the best question to ask. And it's terrible. I'd much rather ask a question like, what are you excited about working on right now? And that could, somebody could answer that in what you know they're quilting they're building they're making a quilt or they're really excited about a business project they're working there's so many different ways and it gives you so much more insight into who the person is and gives you something to build a relationship then on
0: I know that's great great advice actually because I I know when I talk to people about um LinkedIn and how I see LinkedIn as a networking event I mean Mm -hmm. it's, it's a networking platform um But then when I get into conversation with people who say, well, I sent out, you know, 10 connection requests today. So I've done a good job. And I'm like, did you actually send a note with them or did you just, you know, reach out? Did you look at their profile? Don't make it about you, make it about them. And they didn't, you know, and how can you start a conversation at that point? You know, so (laughs) I, I totally agree with you. And then I think that, um, I normally ask this at the end, but this is a good place to ask this question because it fits. I think that being able to start a conversation to get deep enough with somebody to um, even make them hook a little bit in more faster, you have to be curious. And curiosity is my favorite word. And so I'd like to ask you, my two-part question, which I always ask at the end, but I'm going to ask it now because it fits, it fits. And that is, number one, do you think curiosity is innate or learned? And number two, what are you most curious about right now? I am laughing because
1: I just saw earlier today on LinkedIn a post about curiosity and how it relates to sales. Oh, wow. And I am part of a, a networking group and our topic for the week coming up is curiosity. So
0: oh, this so- is the third
1: time this has come up today. Yeah. I love it. I think people are born curious. Babies are born curious. They're, they they want to look and explore their world. I mean, you look at them from newborns, they're looking at their hands and their feet at like, look at these things that are attached to my hands. They're, I, you know, what, what do they do? And so we're naturally curious. However, I think that our education systems, or I I don't want to blame it on education alone, but we're taught to follow and not ask questions. So I've always been somebody who's asked a million questions, driving my teachers insane. Or um, I remember my very first my first job. I think it was my first job out of college, and the the person I was working for left, and the person who took her place, well, she just I she looked at me one day and she's like, why are you asking me so many questions? Like she felt it was a challenge to her, but it was really from my perspective, I just wanted to learn. And so when enough people tell you to stop asking questions, you stop asking and you become
0: not as curious. Great answer. I mean, there's, I'm not, I don't take it either way from people. I just think that's a great answer. And what are you most curious about now today?
1: Oh, what am I most curious about? I, you know, what I'm most curious about is how the brain works, how the mind works. And that's part of my fascination with what I'm teaching in terms of gratitude and meditation. I think if I was to come back again in, you know, I don't know, maybe in a different life or in this life again, yes, brain chemistry is so interesting to me. I wasn't a great science major. I wasn't good at science so much in school, but I am fascinated with how the brain works.
0: Did you ever hear of, or listen to the Ted talk or read the book by, um, is it Jill Taylor? Yes, yes, I did read that book. I just saw her Ted talk, but it was fascinating. And so for my audience, if you haven't, heard it. She had a stroke and she is a brain researcher and she documented her stroke as she was going through it. It's fascinating.
1: Really? It is. And
0: I, I got that right. Didn't I? So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, that's what it made me think of. And then the other thing that came to mind when you just said that was, um, a book I haven't read yet either, but is on my list is, um, uh, Oh, it's just gone from my head. Uh, Limitless by Jim Quick. Yes.
1: Yeah, so I have not read that book, but I have met Jim have? at a conference a few years ago. And so, so I heard him speak yes. and then I met him. Fascinating too. Yeah.
0: Cause yeah. he a story of a brain injury and right. right. And, uh, and what he does is teach people how to speed read, but now he's gone into more around the brain and and so on. Right. So I'm actually, that's my next book. I think that and atomic habits, and I don't read a lot. I have to be motivated to read. I'm busy (laughs) watching and listening and learning the other ways. Anyway, tell me now about your work. Tell me about your work that you're doing now. Do you mostly train, teach, speak, or is it a combination? It's a
1: combination. I love sharing information. So when I was growing up, I always saw myself as becoming a teacher, mm-hmm. but when I was growing up, I thought that was going to be standing in front of a classroom of, you know, elementary school kids. Mm-hmm. Cause that's all I had. I did that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine that now, although ma, I don't know, no, but I-, I do. I think I've always been a teacher at heart just didn't understand how that was going to play out.
0: I understand. And so,
1: yeah, so now being able to teach corporate teams and, and I work with private clients as well, how to use gratitude and meditation mm-hmm. to stay calm and grounded, no matter what's going on around them so that they can make, like, we, like you said earlier, make better decisions, be more efficient, be more focused which leads to higher productivity. And ultimately when you're talking about in business profitability.
0: So it probably also leads to, um, being, um, I can't think of the word being respected and being, you know, um, uh being seen as the expert that you want to be seen as or as the the authority in your field that you want to be seen as when you're talking to other people so i guess if you have that calmness that would help right and of course yeah and you're able to um to read other people well you have to be able to read your audience i think as well right and so if you're calmer and not nervous and not agitated by anything it would be better. Well, that makes me think of a great question to ask you or a situation when you're talking to an audience and you're, you see somebody, whether they're at tables or in a, in an auditorium or whatever, and something is, somebody's doing something that's distracting to you, the speaker, or you, the trainer, do you let it get to you or what do you do? Do you just ignore it? Are you, in that Zen that you don't let it bother you. Cause there's times when I've let it bother me.
1: If they're distracting other people, yes. then I might say something. And I like to add some humor to it. If I can, you know, yes. I don't want to put anybody on the spot. I don't want to be um, calling somebody out and making them embarrassed. Right. But But yeah, I mean, if it's distracting more than, you know, if they're just doing their own thing over there and it's distracting to me, I probably wouldn't say anything because I can stay focused on what I'm talking about. But if they're now drawing other people into their distraction, then I would address it.
0: Fair enough. Okay. What's your favorite, um, situation or teaching situation or training situation? What do you love to do the most? I love workshops. Mm-hmm. Especially in person workshops,
1: which I know we haven't had a whole lot of lately, but because the in person, because of the energy exchange that you do not get in virtual situations. And I love workshops because the hands on, the closeness. So when you're speaking to, you know, potentially an auditorium full of people, sure, that's great. You're talking to a lot of people, but it's, there, there's not that interaction between them and between me and them.
0: Yeah, it's there's a it's a different vibe for sure, and and it's a different skill set I think to be able to engage that larger audience than to um, interact with a smaller group and have them engage with each other and everything. Have you done work in the last couple of years? On Zoom and on um, other platforms where you've had to try and get that engagement going in the room, it's so not the same, right? It's not the same at all. It's yeah. so difficult. Two of that. And to me, that doesn't do it.
1: Right. And half the time they don't have their camera on.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly.
1: Or they have their camera on and they're unmuted and it's like, okay, whose dog is barking? And I know. It's <laughs> totally a different world, right? Holding people's attention. Yeah. is not as it just doesn't work
0: as well. So are you ready to be out there again and start? Oh yeah. Yeah. In person things. Um, are you primarily, um, a reader, a listener, an not like an audible or a podcast person, which do you do the most of? I love books. I
1: adore books. I, I in fact, I, I talking about LinkedIn earlier, I just put a post I think it was Saturday. I did a post on, um, three things that most people don't know about me. And one of them was that I taught myself how to read when I was five. And I have always owned a library public library card from every place that I've met, I've moved every place that I've lived. I that's been one of the top things. I immediately go get a library card because I love books so much. And I've also been a adult literacy tutor Hmm, and an adult literacy. And I've taught other people how to be tutors. So a tutor trainer, that's how important literacy is to me. Mm -hmm. I love, love books. That said, when I am walking either outside or on a treadmill, running, walking, whatever, I do like to listen to podcasts because obviously I'm walking, so I can't read. So now I still need to feed my brain. I'll listen to
0: podcasts. (laughs) Yeah. I, I go back and forth with, okay, should I take my headset and listen to something or should I just enjoy being outside? Cause I don't do that all the time. I've always got stuff going on in my brain. So I go, it, with- it is a balance because when you're
1: talking about not being able to meditate, if mm-hmm. you go out in nature and don't bring your electronics, right. that is allowing your brain to rest and allowing your mind to get quiet mm-hmm. and to just be. So there's, a lot of value in doing that as well.
0: Good. I'm glad to hear that because maybe that's why it, it, you know, sometimes it happens for me that I say that, no, I'm not going to do that today. Yeah. So yeah, the the silence, the quiet, the nature is, is a good thing. Um, I wanted to ask you it wasn't until I saw that you had been a baking company. The Zen Rabbit was your baking company before it was your now website, right? Uh, for yes. the the work that you do now. So, um, if you were to um, give my audience um, some advice, some piece a piece of advice about you know the work that you do and how it can support them, what would it be? What would be your best? nugget of advice to entrepreneurs, small business owners, people doing it all like you were trying to do when you were doing your baking company.
1: The easiest thing for your audience to implement right now, like as soon as they stop listening to this, Mm -hmm. is, is, is around gratitude. And it's around the idea of complaining and criticizing. As humans, this is something that we just, we just do it. And we might not even realize we're doing it. So when you catch yourself complaining about whatever it is, give me something that came up in the recent, recently that.
0: For me? Yeah. Oh, I w- yes. I was complaining because my food delivery didn't come in the time frame it was supposed to. Okay. So now add on to that, but I'm grateful for. I'm grateful that it showed up at all.
1: <laughs> there you go. Or that I have the ability to, to pay for this service or that I have the ability to have food delivered so easily and not have to go out and hunt for it and <laughs> hunt and gather. So the, the piece of advice is when you catch yourself complaining or criticizing, add on to that phrase, whatever it is you're saying, but I'm grateful for. And the more you can do that, the more you're going to bring yourself into practicing gratitude on a greater scale. And then the more you are grateful for, the more things show up for you to be grateful for. It's a cycle. It, It works the other way around too. The more you complain, the more you'll find to complain about. We are going the
0: other direction. The more you find to be grateful for, the more you'll find to be grateful for. That's so awesome because it makes total sense. And I remember learning not to use the word, but, and in this case it makes sense because, but negates what you've just said, right? Exactly. That is exactly Um, why we're using it. Yeah. So that's a, that makes me remember it because I'm always trying to remember not to say it. So that's, that's really quite good advice, actually, I think. And do you find uh, today that people, so I know you work with companies and you work with individuals. Do you see yourself more as a coach or a trainer? How do you, I know we don't need to pigeonhole, but. Yeah. For a very
1: long time, I resisted the term coach. Yes. Because, because everyone calls themselves a coach and what does that even freaking mean anymore? Right and i still think that's a good description of what i am it's what i do professionally it's what i do personally i just it's a natural thing that i just do i i coach i listen i coach i ask questions back and then people figure out their own yeah their own thing yeah. because i've helped them reach i just posted the other day about the um that a good coach helps uncover what was already inside of you waiting to be released mm-hmm. Something to that effect. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that if somebody can't do that, that doesn't mean they're not a good coach. It means they may not be the good
0: coach for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's very true. I'm sure. Um, so today um, how do you find, or how do your clients find you? Like, Mm -hmm. how do you find them? How do they find you? I don't mean your, you know, your website. I mean, I'll put all those things on the show notes, but just do you, I know you use LinkedIn a lot. You're posting. Are you using it to find your clients too? Yes. Yes, exactly. I have started backing out
1: of social media more and more just because, and that's a whole other conversation about how it rewires your brain. Mm -hmm. However, LinkedIn to me doesn't count as Social. I mean, I know it is social media, no, but it's not in. I don't see it in the same way no, as I, I see the other socials. And so I'm all in on
0: LinkedIn. And how is it? Have you got a winning story from LinkedIn that you could share?
1: What is a winning story? I mean, I've built so many relationships through LinkedIn. And become friends with start? people. How did they start? Usually, in a conversation, either. Uh, uh, commenting on somebody else's post yes. engaging in a, or commenting on someone else's comment. I've actually gotten a several of my podcast guests have come because I saw them comment on somebody else's post on LinkedIn. And I reached out to them and said, Hey, it seems like you might have a story relevant to what I talk about on my podcast. Would you be willing to get on a chat? And they are, and that's developed into yes, podcast guest, but friendship beyond that. So it's always engagement. It's always a conversation.
0: You know, like you said, it's about building a relationship. I think it starts though with intuition. Look at that. You, 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 in a way you like, you got that person, you went, that person sounds like it would be, she would be, or he would be a good fit. So I love that. And I, Tend to go a lot on intuition as well and uh, let it guide me. But um, but I love that you said that because you're so right in in the way I teach LinkedIn as well. It's it's about engagement and about conversation, and you can't have that engagement unless you're um, paying attention. You know, right? So that's awesome. So thank you. I think that it's time to wrap up, and I've asked you all the key questions, and I absolutely. Um, Appreciate your time and your wisdom for uh, what you've done. Is there any, are there any last words you'd like to share with my audience? We covered a lot.
1: We did. The one thing I will say is because you, you brought up intuition is that meditating can help you tap into your intuition even more because what it's doing is helping you get quiet enough to hear your own inner voice, which is essentially what intuition is.
0: Mm-hmm. But we
1: don't hear it often because we are too Busy. consumed by the
0: outside voices. Okay. So now I have to ask one last question again. And that is, what would your advice be to me if to start me on that path to attempt to make meditation work for me? Can you not meditate?
1: Cause you can't sit still. Yeah. That's part of it. One of the things I recommend for people who can't sit still is to put on a song. What's your, what's your favorite, what's the song you listen to when you need to get hyped up, listen to that song, mm-hmm. dance around the room, jump and jumping, jumping jacks, whatever you got to do, get the energy out of your body and then
0: sit. Mm. Okay. And then would I be better at it if I'm listening to something or just sitting in the quiet?
1: I highly recommend a guided meditation. I almost always, I've only recently started not using guided meditations and just listening. And as, even then I'm listening to music that is, uh, it's called uh, like sound therapy music or something that is actually affecting your brain waves. Uh-huh. So I don't sit in silence because I, uh-huh. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that would, people tell me they're not good at meditation because they can't sit yeah. quietly and, and that's okay it's not cheating to use a guided meditation, to use music. I highly recommend it okay.
0: and start with five minutes, just five minutes. Okay. doesn't have to be an hour. And doesn't have to be like at a certain time of day, but does repetition make a difference? I like to do it personally.
1: I like to do it in the morning before I get into my day. So it sets the intention and the tone for my day. Some people like to do it in the middle when they're feeling pressured and they just want to take a break. And other people like to do
0: it at night before
1: they fall into sleep. It's really whatever works
0: for you. Well, that little guided piece that I just shared with you that my girlfriend did with me, um, I started listening to it at night and I'd fall off to sleep in the middle of it. So now I'm listening to it in the morning. And so it is forcing me for 15 minutes to do that. So I'm, I'm, getting, I'm trying, I'm going to try. So I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I look forward to hearing. Um, thank you so much for your time today, Lori. And I will put your inf- information in the show notes and thank you to my audience for being here as usual. You're special. I appreciate you. And if you like what you heard, please leave a review. They are always appreciated and remember to stay connected and be remembered.